Hello everyone, thank you very much uh, for having us and thank you for the kind introduction. Um, so as an Office for Design and Innovation, um, we have been thinking a lot about this new term called the metaverse. Um, and it's funny, like every time we sort of like discuss this topic, we feel like we're, we're sort of like traveling back into the future. Similarly, as in the, the early 90s, uh, when everyone was talking about this new thing called the information superhighway or the uh, internet, as we refer to it right now, um, we feel that once again, we're sort of like trying to sort of like define uh, an umbrella concept to describe a multitude of, of different, very distinct technologies. Um, and, and as we sort of like perceive it, um, we feel that there's like a, a lack of a coherent definition of the metaverse. Um, it's almost like a, like a giant whiteboard where we just like put on some different technologies like crypto, AR, VR, games, creator economy, and then define that as the metaverse, which I think is, is problematic because yeah, arguably this might be uh, the next computing paradigm, which, which I'll, I'll touch upon. Um, in our view, arguably also ever since the pandemic, um, we have been very much in this full metaverse uh, existence. Um, I mean, very much our, our digital and the physical lives are, are more intertwined than ever. We work remotely, we sort of like uh, um, educate ourselves uh, remotely. Um, and, and perhaps we should sort of like see the, the, the metaverse as an event horizon uh, that sort of like has no sort of like clear before and after uh, shift. Um, so perhaps to frame it differently, perhaps the metaverse is an attempt to create a common vision for what might come after the smartphone as, as sort of like the next uh, computing paradigm. Um, as, as sort of like we're sort of like entering the late skill um, of, of the mobile computing paradigm, so like there are no mo much more uh, one more thing type of innovation. So yes, sure, a faster camera, uh, a faster, faster processor, um, but but there's not really like a profound change. And, and, and that's probably also the reason why Silicon Valley uh, and, and Shenzhen-based companies are investing billions uh, in creating that next uh, billion people platform. Um, but the big question is, what comes after it? Um, we believe that sort of like the next paradigm shift will be uh, called spatial computing and is not defined traditionally as we have seen with, with uh, the smartphone and the home computer. Uh, by a single device, but instead by a multitude of, of different devices. Um, and, and rather than calling it the metaverse, uh, we prefer to refer to it as spatial computing in which the environment becomes the interface. Um, I think sort of like a good way to, to anticipate um, what these different uh, devices will materialize this new uh, spatial computing paradigm is simply by studying uh, patent filings by large tech corporations, um, and which we did. So in collaboration with uh, a studio based in Copenhagen called Studio Bjorn Ibsen, um, we released a paper called Patented Futures um, that reimagines re the nondescript patent filings um, from tech uh, corporations in a series of forward-looking designs. And basically, we sort of like endlessly uh, browsed uh, uh, patent registers um, and, and sort of like translated these very abstract uh, black and white drawings into highly realistically, um, perhaps mundane everyday uh, renderings. 
um, for instance, like this one, which is a patent by Apple, um, sort of like uh, depicting a glove that would allow you to touch digital or virtual objects uh, and get like physical uh, stimuli. Um, or this one um, is sort of like proposed by Google um, that sort of like um, depicts uh, a pair of slippers with metal bearings uh, underneath them that sort of like allows you to work uh, to, to walk on in the same place forever uh, when you roam virtual or augmented environments so you're not sort of like uh, have to hack a carpet with uh, using bare feet basically um, there are also spatial audio buds is, is also a, a big one and, and sort of like AR uh, enhanced charm bracelets that sort of like function as a, as a shortcut um, but one sort of like particular patent that was sort of like uh, uh, reoccurring and, and almost like every large corporation at least filed one uh, uh, filing for it um, were AR glasses. And we strongly believe that sort of like augmented reality glasses will play a critical role um, in the spatial computing paradigm as it allows you to interact uh, with the world while staying present in the moment. So you're not sort of like phasing uh, a phone. And we can already sort of like see early signs of this. So um, in recent years, AR really gained momentum, uh, reaching larger audiences as we've just seen through face filters uh, or uh, dancing hot dogs. Um, but slowly but surely, sort of like the, 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 sort of like the entertainment is, is transitioning into sort of like more utilitarian forms. Um, so a good example is that is I IKEA Place, which, which my former uh, uh, employee Space 10 developed for IKEA, which allows you to place virtual uh, furniture in, in, inside your room. And um, <clears throat> at Modem, we actually also explored sort of like the more utilitarian AR uh, applications in collaboration with Snap, um, for which we developed a series of lenses uh, through the vertical of health and well-being. And one of these lenses we developed um, is called Posture Coach that basically tries to democratize uh, yoga exercises by using um, um, body tracking technologies and AR markers um, to sort of like indicate how you sort of like perform a next pose. Another example we did uh, is called Breathings that basically uh, tries to democratize breathing exercises for people um, by translating people's unique breathing patterns using the mic input in a series of ethereal AR sculptures. And the nice thing about this is that um, you can also you know, do it in real time together with friends using connected lenses. So basically you can sort of like, yeah, do breathing exercises with, with a friend who's at the other side of the world, which is a quite poetic and deep uh, experience. However, we feel that these kind of examples are sort of like early prototypes um, of, of where things are, are heading towards. And um, we strongly believe that with the introduction of AR glasses, uh, AKA ubiquitous AR, ultimately sort of like the, the physical and digital uh, reality will merge, creating a, a, a concept called reali reality channels. And basically reality channels will allow us to switch between different realities. So sort of like your perception of this room might be um, a, a comic uh, a book and, and mine might be a highly realistic uh, 3D aquarium. So basically each and every place uh, might be uh, experienced individually very distinctively. Um, and, and this sort of like new mediated reality will have a profound impact on the way we perceive and experience space. And this ultimately um, urged us to sort of like explore this new mediated reality 
and um, its impact on, on the built environment at large. Um, so to do so, we, we worked together with Pablo Castillo, who is a research assistant at Harvard Credit School of Design. And together we defined a series of principles mapping the vast promises and implications of this new urban-mediated reality, which I'm going to talk you through now. So we strongly believe that sort of like ubiquitous AR will ultimately lead sort of like to the, to the democratization and escalation of architecture. Traditionally, visionary uh, architects, often uh, white cis mills in their 50s, um, would sort of like dictate the way in which we experience the built environment. Um, but this is about to change. In a world where AR is ubiquitous, uh, architecture will be basically uh, practiced by anyone so inclined. And architecture will merge with sort of like um, different media forms such as filmmaking, game design and programming um, to create like this new um, sort of like experimental form of, of media. Um, and in architects will in their turn become mediators between sort of like the digital and, and physical realm. And we might experience um, environments uh, like depicted in the work by uh, Shane F 3D uh, as, as we're seeing here uh, in the background. Another example is uh, that the augmented city or, or ubiquitous AR will create a geo-semantic mirror of reality, um, which is a fancy term that we will create like an exact uh, replica of the real world uh, in, in, in digital terms. So um, to put it differently, whatever we will see, the, ex the, the machine will also see. Um, so smart glasses will capture the world through human eyes while AI gradually learns to make sense of everything uh, using computer vision. And we can already sort of like see early hints of this. Um, so for instance, with the latest advancements in AI, um, this thing called neural radiance fields or nerves, we can now translate 2D uh, imagery into highly realistic 3D models. So basically what you see here in the background um, is a video captured on a phone. Um, but then sort of like an, an advanced algorithm sort of like translates the, the captured footage into like a highly 3D realistic re uh, uh, model, which ultimately um, will lead to sort of like, um, yeah, a giant digital twin of the world where every single lamppost uh, street sign will have its uh, uh, sort of like digital replica um, and, 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 and hence sort of like geo-anchored uh, uh, augmented reality experiences. And this is already being applied in technologies such as uh, Google's uh, Geospatial API, um, yeah, which are also exploring uh, NERS using Street View. Um, I think it's sort of like with this new sort of like, um, uh, sort of like shift in computing paradigm, I think it's fair to say that static environments will be a thing of the past. Um, so architecture will no longer be about construction, but, but more about like spatial uh, alteration. Um, while buildings uh, continue to be static and passive, the built environment will be fluid and ever-evolving. And a good um, example of this is, is sort of like this recent example um, shot at Shibuya, uh, Tokyo, where basically you can sort of like, yeah, transform, um, yeah, old buildings and, and experience sort of like the, the, ex the, the city of the past using uh, AR. Uh, furthermore, um, the urban environment will be very much used as sort of like a scenario for, for films, entertainment, uh, creating sort of like site-specific experiences. And this is already happening uh, through the use of uh, SNAP's AR landmarkers and, and will be further enhanced 
by the, the, the geospatial API by Google we just saw. Um, the fourth sort of like principle, uh, as a result of all this, the augment city will not only be defined by sort of like drawings and regulations, but through uh, geospecific uh, digital protocols, digital zoning laws, if you like. And perhaps like the most explicit example of this um, is, is Pokemon Go, um, the game that allows you to capture uh, Pokemon in the real world using AR. Um, but at the peak of its craze, um, all these Pokemons become sort of like popped up at very uh, dangerous uh, situations uh, that basically urge people um, yeah, to sort of like um, catch Pokemon whilst driving. Um, and, and ultimately that, that led sort of like uh, local gov governments to force Niantic, the, the developer of Pokemon Go, uh, to restrict uh, Pokemons from certain areas, which arguably is one of the first digital zoning laws. So I think what we'll also see is that sort of like um, zoning laws will be expanded beyond sort of like local governments uh, and, and sort of like large technology corporations such as Google, Apple and, and Meta uh, will gain more influence uh, within this particular space. And then finally, um, augment interfaces need a geometric and semantic understanding of reality in order to mediate between physical and digital worlds. So we strongly believe that this will also have like a profound impact on the way we uh, eventually build uh, the environment because a material uh, properties such as reflectiveness and, and transparency are, are very difficult for, for sensors and cameras to be picked up. Um, so perhaps the ubiquitous uh, AR will ultimately sort of like dictate the choice of, of uh, building materials for the city to be readable and understandable uh, for humans and, and machines alike. So just to sum up, um, the democratization and escalation of architecture, geosemantic mirror of reality, spatial hyper-customization, location-based digital protocols and machine-readable materials might be a result uh, of, of ubiquitous AR and form sort of like the principles for the augmented city. I would love to end on this quote uh, from Mark Weiser stating that the most profound technologies are those that disappear. And I think at some point we might not sort of like refer to the term augmented reality anymore, but instead refer to reality as such. Thank you. Thank you, Paz. Hi. We have time for a Q&A, which is really, really lovely. We have Monin out here on the side. She has a stick mic, and she's happy to bring it to whoever brings, puts up the hand. We have the first one here. If you could state your name a little bit, your affiliation, a context from who you are, and end with a question mark. Hi, my name is Tatiana. I work in development on films, TV series, and documentaries, so a lot of visual storytelling. And I'm curious about the field you're in and how the reduction rate of our power of perception is being tracked, or if it's being tracked much at all. I'm thinking like the, this age-old distinction between um, digital and, uh, sorry, digital and uh, obvious word. Uh, Physical, maybe. No, no? sorry, it's uh, analog. analog. Analog sound and digi digital sound. So I lived for many years with an audio engineer who, who would also always teach me to hear the difference, and I thought there's no difference when Spotify appeared. And with a little bit of training, oh boy, there's a difference. And the digital has wiped out so much of the texture of the sound. The same is happening with visual. I see these spaces turning into canvases for simplified symbols to put in place of 
the textured reality. So what's being gained, what's being lost, is my big question working with filmmakers who are kind of losing touch with reality more and more. Physical reality, I mean. I, I mean, I can start on that just about. Yes, yeah, it's, it's super interesting. Um, if you look at the kind of different senses, obviously some of them are inherently physical senses, like the sense of smell, for example, is, is to do with chemicals coming into receptors, and there's kind of a lock and a key mechanism that then um, re releases the, your your perception of that smell. But so the smell of rose, for example, a real rose, it has, I think, roughly, let's say, 250 different olfactory molecules in there. However, the human nose will think it's a rose, let's say, this may be the comparison between digital and analog, with only three ingredients, one of them, phenyl ethyl alcohol, linalool, and geraniol, I think, from memory. <laughs> um, and so that's enough to give you the smell of rose. And so if I were to kind of create an artificial experience, it's not quite the digital from the analog, but I'm merely selecting it, and it's enough to give you the impression of rose. So we could call that, for now, the digital impression of it. Um, there's arguments that that's positive, because all the other 247 um, olfactory molecules may trigger your allergies, but you don't actually need that to smell a rose. So is this better? We also can create those molecules synthetically, so it means that I don't have to grow 10 fields of roses in Bulgaria, destroy them, and then fly them to the other side of the world for this experience. Um, but those are the positive formats of it, and I think certainly, obviously, there is a complexity there that is being lost, and it's also, I think, to do with the sensitivity of our understanding so far. Your, your audio engineer opened your ears up to that, and I think in being such a nascent field, that's very much something that hasn't been explored yet, for sure. Perhaps to add to that, I think arguably it's not something that is now occurring. Like, if you look at... Uh, um, like m many hundred years ago, we were able to distinguish many different types of color of green of people living in the Arctic have like 20 different uh, words or like even more for, for snow. And I think it's also very much that that process gradually um, already declined or, or shifted or changed perhaps. So I think it's not really that sort of like dependent on, on digital or analog. I think it's more about like shifting uh, living conditions and environments. We have a question more down here. Morning. You take the long way around. Who was the person? Uh, over here on the other side of uh, <laughs> the end. No worries. Just while they're traveling, there is also actually um, an archive of scents on just the outside of Paris called uh, the Osmotech. Um, because scents are also disappearing because if they're made from, say, a natural harvest of jasmine, that's also changing because of climate change and different kind of growing patterns. So there already exist many scents that you would smell in the past, maybe have been preserved that you wouldn't get today in the world. It's constantly shifting. We are ready down here. Hi. Yes, I have a question for Lucia. So my background is in design and interaction design in general. Um, in the past few years, I felt that platforms like Instagram and Facebook have been um, doing too much advertising for my taste. And I was wondering what your thought is, um, because you uh, included these bubbles of advertising into your AR experience, um, is there not a certain tipping point of people being maybe tired of advertising within their social spaces and could it not be that that has already hit kind of a ceiling before Meta will bring out AR experiences with advertising in them or the other way around, do you think there is still an opportunity of um, reducing 
advertising to a more or less invasive way um, so people accept it more in the future. Thank you. Thank, what was your name, sorry? Senior. Senior, yeah. Uh, in my personal work as, a, as an artist, what I try to do is uh, bring an understanding of what advertisement could mean to the general public. For me, it's, it's important that advertisements don't uh, disappear into a layer of such non-invasiveness that people would not be able to distinguish whether what they're saying is an advertisement or not. Um, and so part of my work as an artist has been to try and um, give people some tools in order to uh, determine themselves or think by themselves what it is that they want to see online and what it is that they don't. Come on. Thank you. We have time for one more question. So we will go over here, Monin. Well, Monin, she's there. She's coming from the back. I, it's a little bit hard to see. There's a, there are two hands. Yeah, you decide yourself. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Decision making. Thanks. Uh, hi, I'm Neef. Uh, I'm a software engineer at Us2. And I have a question for all three of you, kind of related to advertising and also like digital products that people can buy in, in the metaverse in the future. Um, like historically, when like new technologies have enabled people to purchase things in new ways, that's often been accompanied by new ways for people to subvert the system through purchasing. So I'm thinking like burning CD-ROMs when you get something from Blockbuster or torrenting. Um, I think we've all, we all remember the advert about not downloading a car. Um, do, you, do any of you anticipate kind of what the next evolution of like people like resisting from the bottom up is in the metaverse? <laughs> I think we have already seen uh, a specific example of that. I mean, um, Snap... Uh, released in collaboration with Jeff Koons uh, balloon dogs uh, across different parks in New York virtually or in augmented reality um, and these were then sort of like vandalized by uh, street artists with graffiti tags and I think I think that's a very um, yeah perhaps hopeful <laughs> future that that people sort of like still have autonomy within these new sort of like mediated realities and and that's sort of like um, vandalism or graffiti still exists in this uh, uh, virtual layer. So, I mean, I, it's a great question. I guess it also ties a lot into what Alice was saying. And like, who, like, if design has the power of changing or working as a change agent for the benefit of us, like, who is this us and what's autonomy and everything around that? Mm. With that note, thank you.